Thank you once again for joining our broadcast today. We appreciate you tuning in. We're talking about if Satan can't steal your joy, he can't keep you good. This is a powerful message. I wrote a book about this way back in 1982, and this book has gone around the world, touched hundreds of thousands, I believe even millions of people, and it's a powerful message, a powerful revelation, and I want to share it with you today as well as over the next couple of weeks. So if you have your Bibles with you, please open them and join with me to uh, Hebrews chapter 10. And once again, I welcome our live audience in the studio today. Thank you guys for being with me. Hebrews chapter 10, and we read on last week's broadcast from verse 34, where it says that after these people had received the word of God, it became illuminated in their spirit. In other words, they were enlightened. It, it, it became a revelation of them. Then it says, immediately they endured a great fight of affliction. In other words, Satan came immediately to steal the word. That's the way he operates. Now, you need to know that. You know, uh, one, of the, one of the things that happens to a lot of Christians is they don't understand how their adversary operates. And that's to your disadvantage if you don't know how he operates. Because if you don't know how he operates, every time you come under attack, you're going to have the mistaken idea like so many Christians do. This is God. God's trying to teach me something through this attack. God's trying to show me he loves me by making me sick. That's not true. That's not God. In fact, in the book of James, it says, don't let any man say when he's tempted that he's tempted of God. And if you look under the word, or you look up the word tempted, it's also translated tested or tried. So it says, if you come under a test or a trial, don't say it's from God. He's not the author of the test or the trial. You say, but I've been told that's the way he teaches his people. Well, stop and think about that now. If God teaches his people through tests and trials, wouldn't you think by now they'd all be spiritual giants? <laughs> Would you agree with me? I mean, we've had our share of tests and trials, haven't we? I mean, you'd think every Christian would be a spiritual giant by now with all the tests and trials they've endured. No, that's not how God teaches us. Jesus said very clearly, the Holy Ghost is the teacher of the church. And what does the Holy Ghost bring to the church? He brings the Word. He's the Spirit of truth. It's truth that brings maturity and spiritual adulthood to the church. You, you, you have to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You have to fellowship with the Word. And through that, you become more mature in the things of God. You become a spiritual adult. Now, I'm not saying that God won't use them after Satan brings them. He'll, he'll use every situation to help you grow stronger, but he's not the author of it. Now, let me say this. Let me say it this way. It's not the test or the trial that makes you stronger. It's what you do in the midst of the test and the trial that'll either make you stronger or weaker. If you react to it properly, yes, you're going to become stronger. If you don't react to it properly, then you'll probably end up weaker and more discouraged and possibly begin to walk away from God. So it's what you do in the midst of the trial. Now, here's what these people did. They would not allow this situation 
to steal their joy. He said, you took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. In other words, when the attacks came and, and their goods were being taken from them, the Bible says they, they, they had an attitude of joy. In other words, they would not allow this situation to steal their joy. They would not allow it to keep them from walking with God and continuing their walk with God. In other words, they determined that you might get my goods, but you will never get my joy. And that's something that every believer should make the decision about. You may get my goods, but you will never get my joy. Now, what I'm going to prove to you from the Word of God today is if Satan can't steal your joy, even though he may have taken your goods, he can't keep them. Not only will God make him pay you back for what he's stolen, but there's a potential seven-fold restoration. And I'm going to show you how that worked in my life when God first gave me this revelation. So notice here he says that it's important. Your attitude is important when you come under attack. You need to stay joyful. Now, is that easy? No. I'm not going to stand here and tell you the easiest thing you've ever done in your life is remain joyful when you're under attack. When's the last time somebody came up to you, some Christian, smiling real big, laughing almost uncontrollably and said, I'm under attack? <laughs> no, most of them don't. In fact, when most Christians are under attack, they don't even have to tell you. You can tell by the expression on their face as they're walking towards you. They look down. They look depressed, you know, Woe is us, you know, poor old me. You know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. Pray I'll hold out to the end kind of thing, you know. You know for sure they've already lost their joy. Well, is remaining joyful easy? No, it's not. But is it scriptural? Yes, it is. Here it says very clearly that while under attack, these people would not allow anyone to take their joy. Now, just turn one book over to the book of James and look at James chapter 1 and look at verse 2. Well, let's, let's back up to verse 1 because I think it's kind of funny. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Greeting, he says. And then his next sentence is, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. What are temptations? Can also be translated as testings and trials. Notice he says, greetings, everyone. Hello, I'm James, the apostle, and I've got some good news for you. When you have a test and a trial, be joyful. <laughs> Don't you know they quit reading right there? What's the matter with this guy? How can we be joyful when we're under attack? But apparently, God expects that of us, or He wouldn't have all these examples in the Bible regarding it. We're supposed to maintain our joy no matter what's going on around us. Now that, my friends, is the earmark of true spiritual maturity. Yes. Amen. Amen. If you consider yourself to be a spiritual adult, then you also have to be a person who never loses their joy. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Amen. Amen. I mean, I've come under attack many times. I've had, 
I've had challenges in my life just like you do. In fact, I come under more attack sometimes than some of you because to whom much is given, much is required. And so, you know, coming under attack is nothing new. I mean, I don't get up in the morning and if I come under attack that day, I say, what is this all about? I'm a Christian. No, I know, you know, that's part of the, that's part of the territory. You come under attack. But the difference between me and the way I used to be a long time ago, before this became a revelation, I'd come under attack. And like most Christians, I'm wondering, why did this happen to me? I'm such a good little trooper. What did I do to deserve this? You know, <laughs> don't look so holy. You know you've acted like that before. And, and you think, well, why am I going through this? And, and, you know, I'm just doing my best to serve the Lord. Why are all these attacks coming? I'll tell you why. You were not a threat to the devil before you made Jesus the Lord of your life. Now you are. Amen. You are a serious threat to the devil. You know, the Apostle Paul, who is next to Jesus, my favorite Bible character. I, I'm going to enjoy when I get to heaven spending a lot of time with Paul. After I spent a lot of time with my Heavenly Father and my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The next guy I want to spend a lot of time with is Paul. I plan to tell him, I preached all your sermons, but I gave you credit for it. Amen. And, and I just love this guy's attitude. He has, he's the guy that has helped me in my faith so much over the years. I mean, he comes under attack, seems like every day, but then he wrote to Timothy and said, persecutions and afflictions I have endured and the Lord has delivered me out of them all. And not one time did this man ever lose his joy. Why? Because he knew his joy was not based on circumstances. His joy was based on his relationship with Christ. That's why in that letter to the Philippian church, read it again. The Philippian letter, most theologians referred to it as the joy letter, the rejoicing letter. And I think it's so interesting that Paul wrote this letter when he was experiencing the absolute greatest trial of his life. He's in prison, the worst prison in existence at that time, and he's facing death. And yet, he writes a letter to the Philippian church and says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. What are you going to do with a guy like that? How does de the devil, you know, beat a guy like that? He can't. I mean, those Roman guards were coming in there every day and saying, Paul, if you don't denounce Christ, we're going to kill you. And you know what he said? Go ahead. You'll do me a favor. For me to die is gain. Don't you know they walked out of there and shook their heads and said, what do you do with a guy like this? You threaten to kill him and he begs you to do it. Because to him, that would be the ultimate goal fulfilled. I'll be with Christ. You know? I mean, how do you defeat a guy like this? Satan did everything he possibly could to get this man to denounce Christ. And shipwrecks, snake bites, stonings, angry mobs, Everywhere he went, the thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. And you know what Paul says? He writes to the Corinthian church and dares to call all of this light afflictions. <laughs> These light afflictions are but for a moment. You couldn't get the man's joy. 
Don't you know every morning when Paul woke up, every demon in hell screamed, oh my God, he's awake again, you know, because <laughs> they couldn't defeat him. In fact, they could not kill this man, not devils, not Roman government or anybody else. They couldn't kill the man until he said, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I am now ready to depart. And it wasn't until he determined that he was finished with everything God told him to do that they were able to take his life. But I'm very thoroughly convinced when they took his life, his spirit had already gone to heaven and was with Jesus. He did even feel one blow. Amen. So this man proves to us that it is possible that you can go through life's challenges and never lose your joy. Now that's going to take some training on your part. Mm -hmm. Look at your neighbor there and say, you got a job ahead of you. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) And those of you that are watching, you got a job ahead of you. I mean, this is not Sunday go to meet in Christianity. This is the real deal, Holyfield. I mean, this is the real deal here. I mean, this is, this is where the rubber meets the road. You've got to spend quality time in the Word of God, and you have to make some quality decisions that you are not going to be average go-to-church Christian. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to, you're going to, have to be willing to go beyond, go the extra mile. I, 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 didn't, I didn't become the way I am today by playing church. I got desperate for a change in my life. I was tired of being defeated. I was tired of just existing. I was tired of just barely getting by. And I discovered the only way to change that is get full of the Word of God and determine nothing is going to change that decision and nothing's going to steal my joy. And it took some serious training, you know, and some serious discipline. But praise God, if I could do it, you can, hallelujah, because God's no respecter of persons. And you've got to understand, before all this happened to me, I was a quitter looking for an opportunity to quit. Man, I'd, 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 I'd just quit anytime there was any kind of pressure. You put pressure on me, I'll show you, I'll quit. You know, that's the way I did. I mean, my first semester of college, first semester of college, the first day, I walked into class and the, and the professor said, all of you look around at everybody in this class. So we all looked around and he said, look at the person on your left and then look at the person on your right. Look at them. Get their face in your mind. I thought, what is this all about? And then he said this, the reason I'm having you do this is because before this semester is up, some of you will quit. I thought, no, what a great opening day for college. <laughs> He's already telling us that some of us will quit. And you know, he was right. I quit two weeks before the semester was up. (laughs) Loaded my 57 Chevrolet and drove home. You know, I quit. I went to play baseball. What do I need psychology for? You don't need psychology to pitch a baseball. You don't need algebra to pitch a baseball. And you certainly don't need English to pitch a baseball. Why are you making me take all these courses? I just want to play baseball. I showed him, I quit. <laughs> now the Vietnam War is going on. This is 1964. I wasn't home two weeks and I get a letter in the mail. Greetings. 
and they want me to report to my local recruiting office. They're going to send me to Vietnam. I showed them. I went back to college. <laughs> but I went to a different college where they didn't know my reputation as a quitter, you know. And, you know, and while I was in my second year of college, Carolyn and I got married and now, man, I got to go to college. I got a wife to take care of. I got to have a job to support her. You know, there's a lot of pressure here. You know what I do under pressure? I quit. You know? <laughs> so I, I, I quit, uh, you know, going full-time college. And I thought, well, I'll go at night. So I found a college where I could take courses at night. And so I, I get off work. I work from eight till five and I go home and shower and Carolyn has a meal for me and I go to class from seven to 11 every night. You know, that's hard. You know, that's hard. So I showed them I quit, you know. <laughs> and then, you know, the jobs I had. I, I did paint and body work. And I worked for dealerships before I opened my own business. And, and I, I, I worked for the, I first went to work for the Lincoln dealership as a paint and body man. And, and I had these green uniforms, you know, harder Lincoln Mercury right here, Jerry right there. That's how Carolyn knew where I worked because some mornings I'd get up with a blue uniform on. She said, now, didn't you have a green uniform on yesterday? Yes. Well, what is this blue uniform? That Chevy land, Jerry, I quit the Mercury dealership, Lincoln dealership. I work at Chevy land now. Well, why did you go to work? There? I said, they made me mad yesterday and I quit. I always had another job before dark, but make me mad, I'll quit. You know, That's the reason I kept the tailgate of my pickup down just in case I needed to load my snap-on toolbox again before dark. You know, And that was my life. You could ask my wife. She never knew where I worked. I mean, only by the color of the uniform I wore. You know? I come in there with a, with a brown uniform on one day. She said, well, when did this happen? I said, that's uh, Hullet Buick, Jerry, you know, <laughs> I work for the Buick dealership now. And it was that way until 1969, when I surrendered my life to the Lord, the first scripture I ever read from the Bible, if you continue in my word, you will be my disciple indeed. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. And that little word continue got as big as my Bible, jumped out of the Bible and into my heart. And the Lord said this, son, you're a good starter, but you've been a lousy finisher. And if you don't develop the art of continuing, you're going to be a loser for the rest of your life. See, I'd never continued anything. And so I made up my mind that day. I am not going to start this walk with God and get under pressure and quit. I am going to continue. And continuing became my theme. It became my motivation, my drive. And eventually I decided, and I said this 44 years ago, and I haven't changed. Quit is not an option. Isn't it amazing how God will take a quitter, change his life, and make his message all over the world? Don't quit. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's what this ministry is known for. One of the things it's known for all over the world is pe teaching people, don't quit. Amen? Don't quit. Look at your neighbor and say, don't quit. quit. We well, see, here in the book of Hebrews, it said that even though these people came under severe attack and their goods are being taken away from them, they would not allow it to steal their joy. And here, James says, whenever you fall into a temptation, test, or trial, 
It's important that you have the right attitude. What is the right attitude? Remain joyful. Now, you have to understand that the reason they're both saying remain joyful is because if you remain joyful, Satan can't keep what he took from you. Amen. If you remain joyful, I like to say it this way. You're giving God something to work with. Say, I can't find anywhere in the Bible. Now, God wants to, but he's not going to violate his word to do it. I can't find anywhere in the Bible where God just keeps on blessing quitters and God just keeps on blessing people that, that are down all the time. He wants to, but he'd have to violate his word. Because if he was going to just keep on blessing quitters and keep on blessing people that are down all the time and keep on blessing people that, you know, are up and down in their walk with him, then what would be the purpose of telling us to be doers of the word? Amen. We must be doers of the word. That's how we position ourselves to experience every promise fulfilled in our lives. So it's important that we have the right attitude when we're going through attacks. And one of those primary characteristics of a right attitude is remain joyful. Don't let this steal your joy. Now, I want to give you a verse here, and then we'll get back into this on next week's broadcast. But I want you to listen to this verse. If you want to turn to it, it's found in Jeremiah chapter 33. Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 11. Hallelujah. Are you getting something out of this? Notice here in verse 11, it says, The voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of them that shall say, Praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his mercy endureth forever, and of them that shall bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, When is a sacrifice of praise a sacrifice? (laughs) When you don't feel like doing it. Amen? Wouldn't that be a sacrifice on your part? When you don't feel like doing it? When in the natural there's no reason you should be praising and joyful and all of that? He says, and for those that will bring the praise of sacrifice into the house of the Lord, For I will cause to return the captivity of the land as at the first, saith the Lord. Now, these two scriptures, Hebrews 10 and Jeremiah 33, are the two scriptures the Lord gave me this revelation on. In Hebrews 10, as we've already read, if you will take joyfully the spoiling of your goods, here's what you can expect from Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 11 restoration. God said, if you will bring to me the sacrifice of praise. Well, a sacrifice of praise would also include a sacrifice of joy. If you will remain joyful, even in the midst of your worst onslaughts of your adversary, then I will return the captivity of the land or your goods. I will see to it that whatever has been taken from you will eventually be restored back to you. Praise God. Isn't that a great revelation? And then in Proverbs chapter 6, very quickly, my time is about up, but look at Proverbs chapter 6. What a great promise we find here. Now, how many of you know the thief is Satan 
And Proverbs chapter 6 says in verse 30, Men do not despise a thief if he's still to satisfy his soul when he's hungry. But if he be found, he shall restore sevenfold. Amen? See, it's Satan who's the thief. He's the one trying to take our goods. He's the one trying to steal from you. But God said, if you will not allow this attack to rob you of your joy, then he will return to you what has been stolen. And if you push for it with your faith, there's a possibility it can be returned sevenfold. Hallelujah. I remember the first time Jesse DePlantis heard me teach this. He got up and told me afterwards, Brother Jerry, if what you said is true, then I just became too expensive for the devil to mess with. (laughs) Amen. Because I'm going to make him pay it back sevenfold. And you ought to do the same. Hey, my time is up. I'll be back in just a few moments. feel discouraged? Has your joy been left along the wayside? Be of good cheer. Jerry Savelle's book, If Satan Can't Steal Your Joy, He Can't Keep Your Goods, outlines powerful truths that will help you find your joy and walk in victory. Learn how God's Word produces joy and how and why Satan wants to steal it. Laugh more and cry less. It's time to turn the tables on the enemy. When you request your copy today, you'll also receive the CD series, Win or Lose by Your Attitude. Your attitude is an outward expression of your inner self. Your attitude will cause you to fail or succeed in every area of your life, and God wants to give you a positive, hopeful attitude, no matter what's happening around you. In this series, Jerry Savelle motivates you to press beyond your previous breaking point and outlast any circumstance with a great attitude. A good attitude is the tool that causes winners to succeed every time. Call now or visit us at jerrysavelle.org to request this joyful combo. If Satan can't steal your joy, he can't keep your goods, and win or lose by your attitude. Don't wait. Be joyful today. Now listen, it's not possible for me to cover all the material that I've learned about this on these short television broadcasts, even though, you know, I plan to teach on it for at least four weeks. But still, you need to get the messages in your home where you can sit down and study them, dissect it, go to all the scriptures, take notes. That's the way you get it on the inside of you. If you want to get to the place in your life where Satan can never steal your joy again, then you need to get these resources into your hands and apply them. And I'm telling you, it is life-changing. Once again, the book, If Satan Can't Steal Your Joy, He Can't Keep Your Goods. Get the book. And also with this special offer is three CDs entitled Win or Lose by Your Attitude. Your attitude has everything to do with whether you win or whether you lose. And the proper attitude, as we've seen from the Word on today's broadcast is no matter what kind of attack you might be under, no matter how impossible it may seem at the time, don't let it steal your joy. Maintain your joy. Have a positive outlook. Now, once again, the only way you can do that, you can't just psych yourself out, stand in the mirror and say, I'll have a positive attitude. I'll have a positive attitude. I have a positive attitude. No, that's going to come by filling your heart with the Word of God. If you take the time to get the Word in your heart, then you're going to wind up with a positive, joyful attitude and a positive, joyful outlook, and God will honor it. Order these today. Go online, write to the address that's on the screen, or call the number, and we'll send them to you just as quickly as we possibly can, and you will not regret getting these resources into your home. Thank you again for watching. Thank you, partners, for your faithful support. We'll see you again next week for more 
teaching on if Satan can't steal your joy, he can't keep you good.